All right, you ready? Yep, ready. This is uh, Danny Rorty and Alex Zhang uh, uh, here for The Daily Weird. The Daily Weird and your co-star Alex Zhang and Danny Rorty. All right, we're going to talk about ants of the world, how human and ant societies are one. Now, what is, makes you think of ants? What do you like to do about ants? What, what, uh, what well, makes the one about? thing my brother likes to do is burn them with a magnifying glass, but uh, that's mm, wrong. Yeah. Um, ants but, are very organized. I mean, yeah. they say that there's like six, seven pounds of ants per person. Um, wow. I do know that there are ant gardeners, ant farmers, ant slavers, ant yeah. cannibals. Ant yeah, I think I actually I had an ant farm. At one time when I was Yeah, up, they usually so. give you those little farms and they don't have a queen so the whole nest is doomed to die. They can't give yeah. you a queen because otherwise the nest will get too big and it yeah. will just take over. Yeah. Ant queens actually mate and then they lay eggs. They're the only fertile females. All ants are female that live in a colony, but not all ants are reproductively viable. Only the queen lays eggs. Yeah. There's a mammal, by the way, that's similar to that called the naked mole rat. It doesn't have any hair hardly, and it lives underground in Africa. But uh, anyway, yes. by the way, humans weren't the first creatures to invent agriculture. Ants did it. There's a special type of ant called the leaf cutter ant that makes nests underground, and they send workers or scouts to the forest and they cut holes in leaves and then they go home with the holes on the bivouac and they chew the leaves up and then after they chew the leaves up they spray ant goo on them and they grow a fungus that only grows in those gardens in those ants nests oh, and then wow. they eat that and some ants like soldier ants and other ants like soldier ants and big powerful build ants they can't feed themselves so the other ants have to feed them the other oh, ants wow. have to assist with them because all they're good for is fighting and war and stuff like that. Ah, cool. Yep. So they are pretty similar to us. Then. Yeah, they yeah. are. There's some of the darker aspects of ant society like slavery and war and um, gardening is one of the lighter aspects. But there's also other darker aspects that ant societies and human societies both share. Oh, wow. Um, slow and steady sloth. Now the sloth is one of the slowest, if not the slowest, animal in the world. It only defecates once a week. It only comes down to defecate once a week. And it's very, very slow. It actually has moss and mobs live in its fur. Oh, wow. And there's Asian sloths and South American sloths. There used to be a giant sloth that lived in North America during the Pleistocene, but humans hunted them to extinction. Clovis people hunted them to extinction. Oh, they wow. were literally as tall as a giraffe, even taller. They were really big, giant sloths. Um, but they were nothing like the slow sloths you see in the trees in South America and Southeast Asia. But they were really wow. cool. Yeah. What do you think of when you think of sloth? Do you think of Ice Age movie? Oh, uh, yeah, one of them. I think that, and then I also think of that uh, Zootopia movie where the 
She's in either in the um, DMV, and the sloth is like slowly stamping them. Yeah, they yeah. actually are really, yeah, really slow. slow. They're kind of yeah. poking fun. Usually, when people do that about animals, they get it wrong. But this time, they get it right. Sloths are extremely slow. Yeah. Um, orchids of Minnesota. Did you know that there's over 50 species of orchids? I, I was thinking at least ten. I know there's a. I know of my myself that there's at least ten, but I okay, did not well, know there's. Okay, what, what do you know the five species of lady slipper that are found in Minnesota? No, that I don't know. The ram's head lady slipper, the large yellow lady slipper, the small yellow lady slipper, the showy lady slipper, and the pink lady slipper. Oh, that's the one I knew of, the pink lady slipper. Yep, yeah, but there's others too. Yeah, there's Cryptosporium okay. reganae. Which is the showy Cryptotherium pubens, which is the large yellow, Cryptotherium var pubans, which is the small yellow, and I don't know the scientific names for the others, but they are all very challenging garden subjects to grow. Oh, wow. They have a symbiosis with microbial fungi that allows them to grow in the wild without the fungus infecting the seed. The seed will not germinate. Oh, the seed wow. has to form a symbiosis with microbial fungi. And it takes 15 to 17 years to flower from seed. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're not going to plant in the ground and then <laughs> bala boom, bala bang, you're going to yeah. get a flower. Yeah. No, it takes a long time for them to grow. Got it. It takes extremely long time for them to grow. Even in a lab, they can take 7 to 10 years to make their first flower. And orchids like lady slippers can live 100 years or more. Wow. And form a big clump. But are they good garden subjects? No. They have federal protections. You can't dig them. You can't harvest them from the wild or pick them. You can grow them as if they're lab cultivated with writing that they're lab cultivated. But you're going to spend like 50 to $80 on a single plant that's ill-suited to your environmental because we've altered the landscape so much and our soil does not have that fungus anymore for them to have associations with. Oh. Now, there are other orchids other than lady slippers. There's the hooker's orchid, there's the rattlesnake or plantain orchid, there's the fringed orchids, which are like lady slippers but a little bit different that are found in prairies um, and wetlands. There's grass pink, which is kind of like a grassy orchid that looks kind of like you would think it might belong in like a fairy world or a Barbie bouquet or something like that. It's all pink and fluffy and airy. Um, but yeah, there's orchids in Minnesota are in a lot of trouble. There's a lot of bad people out there that want to dig them up illegally to sell to nurseries. Even rescued plants you shouldn't really buy because you wow. might be supporting a poacher. You might not know. Yeah. Or you might be supporting people who just take them that aren't poachers that are trying to do the right thing, but they die anyway. So yeah. orchids, they're better off in the wild. You're better off conserving their lands and learning about the orchids. If you have to have an orchid, I will um, say that the Vermont Lady Slipper Company or Itasca Lady Slipper Company, those are reputable places to get an orchid from. And they will sell it to you for 50 or $80 a plant, and you'll have to doctor the soil every few years, mulch and put in a shady, not too sunny, not too shady area, and hope for the best.
but they are a really beautiful plant, but they're not a plant for beginners. Yes. Wonderful world of whales from big blues to orcas and narwhals. Well, what is what what whale is the biggest whale in the world? Do you know what the biggest uh, whale I is? I do. Um, the uh, beluga. No. No. Uh, the great. Uh, not what is it? Um. Blue whale. The blue yeah. whale is blue the whale. largest. Yeah. It's over a hundred feet. Its heart is as big as a small car. Its arteries. Sorry, it was a big motorcycle. Its arteries you can swim through. Its heart is the size of a small car, a Volkswagen W. Wow. And it's over a hundred feet in length and weighs like 50, 40 tons. It's astronomically big. Dang. It's the biggest whale of the world. And it's a baleen whale. Most of the large whales are big baleen feeders. They eat plankton with their baleen. With their modified hair that grows in their mouth. Cool. Yeah. Now, there are toothed whales, like the sperm whale is the largest toothed whale. Um, that can get over 60 to 70 feet. Orcas are actually in the dolphin family. They're the largest dolphin. Um, I do know that narwhals grow tusks, the males do, and sometimes the female will grow a tusk, or sometimes the male will grow two tusks, but usually the males only have one tusk, and the females don't have one. Yep, but the wonderful world of whales, I highly encourage you to read the book, if you have kids, read the book, sing a whale song to them. It's a beautiful story about a little boy who wants to be a whale and he gets changed into a whale by a, by a whale and he goes into the ocean and he finds out all the things that are going down in the ocean and what's happening and he becomes a human again and then he sings a song about his adventures and inspires his local seaside town to save whales and other animals in the ocean. So it's a beautiful book. But Sadly, based on fact, the ocean is suffering, and we really need to help it. Um, belugas and narwhals both live in the Arctic Circle. I think you're aware of the beluga being white, right? Yep. Anything else about whales that might you might know that might be true or not true? Uh, that, uh, all I do remember is that Moby Dick. Oh yeah, story, Moby you know? Dick. I know that story. A really a whale hunter, hunter that tried to get a white whale, a white sperm whale. Yeah. Whaling is legal in some areas. Like in Japan, it's still legal in some areas, and it's usually done on a government-based program where you can only take a certain number of whales. Um, but. It's very controversial, and people really love whales, so most people vote for whale watching rather than whaling these days. Yes. We don't need to use whale oil to light our candles anymore. So when they, hunt, when they usually hunt whales, indigenous people do it as kind of a cultural identity thing. Okay. And they usually only are allowed to take one or two whales a year, if even that. And how much meat could a whale supply? Enough to feed 40 or 50 people at least. 
Oh, wow. And they were talking one of the smaller whales. Gray yeah. whales aren't big by whale standards. Yeah. The whales they're going after are not that big as far as whales go. Got because it. some whales, like the blue whales, could be 100 feet. So you could probably feed, with the meat, you could probably feed a thousand or more people. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the whales world. Um, the cost of ripping wild sarsaparilla sad story. Now, wild sarsaparilla is a native plant, native to North America, Eastern North America, and its root was used to make root beer. It's the ingredient used to make root beer. Well, when the settlers found out that it makes root beer, they over-harvested it for its medicinal properties and for its root beer-making properties. So it became very, very rare and scarce, and now it's in danger. They wow. have sarsaparilla at the Friends plant sale, too. That's crazy. Yep. I want you to tell me everything you know about the monarch and queen butterfly. We're on to our next topic about milkweed. That they're beautiful? Or they are beautiful. And the queen lives in the south and the monarch lives in the south and the north. Got it. And both of them are bushfoot butterflies and they both require milkweed in order to survive. Milkweed is a plant that grows in North America, Africa, somewhat in Asia, somewhat, mostly in the Americas. And it's a huge genus. It consists of like 70 and 30 different species. Monarchs host on 30 or 40 different species. Wow. So in Minnesota, you have the swamp milkweed, the common milkweed, the savants milkweed, the poke milkweed, butterfly weed, um, purple milkweed, world milkweed, antelope horn, which might be found further west, but further south or west. But yeah, there's about six or five different species of milkweed alone in Minnesota. Wow. So, if I could go on and on about the milkweeds found in North America, there's a lot of them. But I kind of want to keep this podcast short because I do want to come up to another thing. Um, you're aware of the monarch migration, right? Uh, somewhat. Yeah. yeah, monarchs migrate to Mexico. But no one generation actually makes it to Mexico. It's a series of generations that go one, 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 one. And then the final and last one makes it to Mexico and lives six months. Most monarchs don't live six months. Most monarchs live about three or four weeks. Ooh, wow. Yeah. That's a short life. Yeah, it is. Now, this is another question that people bring up. To dam or not dam? And there are actually government organizations trying to undam rivers, trying to return rivers to what they were. And even in, even in the Twin Cities metro area, there are some people and some rights activists that are trying to tear down and are succeeding at tearing down some of the dams, like by Fort Snelling and by... Um, 
Kuno Rapids and stuff, they want to take down those dams to restore the river and the rapids back to what they used to be. Is that good for rivers? Very much so. Rivers, damming to rivers is kind of like what damming is to the human heart. You eat a lot of cholesterol, you eat a lot of bacon, you clog up those arteries, you probably will get a heart attack and die. Rivers that get dammed basically become dead. They become pools of water with stagnant murk. They become garbagey, like the stereotypical rivers that we see today. Um, well, mostly today. There are a few rivers that aren't dammed. Most rivers have dams in them. It's because people need electricity and power. They need to be able to modernize their homes and stuff like that. So can we just undam all the rivers? No. I don't think that's really realistic, but I think whenever possible, if everybody's on board with it and the city can find another way of doing it, yes, I support the dam being removed. Now, can we remove all the dams? No, but I think we could try to reduce some of them or maybe find a way to live better with less of them. Yeah. Like I said. Like, there are species of fish like the paddlefish and sturgeon that will never be as numerous as they were before dams, before European settlement in the Mississippi. Yeah. The alligator gar was hunted to extinction for eating walleye and other fish, but it actually eats more rough fish, so when the walleye predator went away, the rough fish populations exploded beyond what the land can support. But that's another story. The paddlefish used clean water over rocks to spawn, so do sturgeon. Both of those habitats are now gone in the lower Mississippi area mostly because of dams, because of the water being dammed up. But there are other threats to the Mississippi that are coming, like Asian car, that could be reversed if we released the alligator guard back into the Mississippi. Because we took out the alligator guard. If we put back the alligator guard in the Mississippi, they will eat these carp and thus control the numbers. And it isn't doing harm because these species were found in rivers before we decided to destroy them. It's like releasing wolves into Yellowstone. It's a very, very ecological and smart thing to do to put them back. But it would make swimmers have to think twice because gar will attack things that are shiny and will bite human legs and arms if so given the opportunity. Anyway. The dam question debate, it really depends. Like the Mekong River is so polluted that it's basically a dead river. I mean, there are porpoises in it, but their flush has all types of poisons in it, and they have big catfish. But those catfish are critically endangered, and they have nowhere to go, and they're being fished out of the people. So to dam or not dam, that is a question of rivers. If we want rivers for our children, for our children's children to be healthy, to have fish, to be able to support fishermen in local communities, we gotta do away with some of these dams. Yeah. We have too many dams in the river. Which brings me to my next topic. Freshwater clams of Minnesota. There are a lot of species of clams, I think between 35 and 20, and all of them are at risk of endangerment. 11 of them are extinct, I think. I have to look at the DNR website, but there are a lot. I don't know 
a lot of the different clams in Minnesota. I know that the quagga clam of Alaska can live over 500 years. Wow. But I don't know a lot about Minnesota's clams. Yeah. Just, you know, clam up. <laughs> clam up. That's but a good one. Yeah, freshwater clams are an indicator of a healthy river, and they are very, very good for the water quality, and they indicate a healthy watershed. Which brings me to our last topic of the day. Eating insects to save the planet, a new food source that's eco-friendly. Now, have you ever eaten shrimp? Have you ever eaten lobster? Have you ever eaten crab? Yes. Those are all relatives of insects. So, I don't know if you want to graduate any grasshoppers and beetles and crickets and other things, but if you do, great. If you don't, oh well. I know that these insects might not be as appealing to a lot of different people, but they do, um, they are less expensive to manufacture than beef. They're more environmentally sound. They're not going to require a lot of land or food or fart ethanol gas into a biosphere and stuff like that. But there is a big cultural taboo with eating insects. A lot of people don't want to do it or don't like to do it. And again, you shouldn't be eating willy-nilly anything you find either. Hornets and wasps can get painful stings. Some beetles or blister beetles can hurt you. So if you're going to eat insects, read up on it. Learn about it. It's something that you want to go into gradually. You don't want to start eating nothing but insects. Your body isn't used to that new food. So, yeah. Probably wouldn't be the best idea. Wouldn't be the best idea if in excess. Yes. Do it moderately. There are companies that make, like, Quicket, um, potato chips and stuff like that. So, it is what it is. If you want to spend 11 or $10 on a bag of potato chips, go right ahead. They're really expensive, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But anyway, that is my daily word for August 2019. Nice. Everybody, please subscribe. Please share this as many times as you can. Yeah. Um, we need to be heard. We Yes, we need to be heard. We want this to go out to across the Americas, across the world, if we can. Um, I will post the links of all the... Uh, podcast venues that are hosting our our podcast um, in the description below um, as well as um, posted in the details of the podcast so that it, no matter what venue you you choose to listen to us on uh, that you'll see the descriptions of all all the venues that you can hear us through so anyway um, this is Danny Rorty and Alex signing off. Have a great day. Happy uh, Labor Day. And for all those kids going to school, remember school is, you stay cool in school and stay in, stay school. in school. Stay in school because. School will make you smart. School yes. will make you grow and learn and do the right thing. And even though some people don't like school, just remember it's it's where you make your friends. It's where you make uh, real good connections with people that you've grown with. So school is not just important educational-wise, but it's also 
for you know networking purposes so anyway more power to everybody who stays in school who stays educated and listens to us as well um, and that's uh, we don't want to make this too educational but we're doing this to support um, people that are interested in nature who want to learn about things and that so please absolutely. please subscribe if you know any nature buffs out there Please forward this podcast to them. They would love to learn this stuff, and we would love to support you guys. Um, I'm going to set up a Patreon page, too, uh, if you would like to donate money for our cause. Um, uh, I could probably do a little more on editing the broadcast and, and using more better software and stuff. But please feel free to hit us up. We're, uh, you can always hit us up on... Uh, online i will post our email address down below please hit me up thank you and god bless have a good day bye hello everybody i just wanted to say it's alex's birthday today he went inside but i want you all to please give him a shout out and wish him a happy birthday on the comments below um and that'd be great thank you Happy birthday, Alex. Hope you enjoy your birthday. I'm glad I'm a part of it. I look forward to seeing you some more in the future. God bless and love you guys. Bye.